1: you done now? Oh, boy, oh boy, boy. you done now? This, this is Back to is the, the Future, the, the podcast. podcast. Presented, presented by the Brad Gould Show. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, they're going to see some serious shit. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? 1.21, Cut.
0: Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think of the like flying thing. You gotta come back with me. Where? Back to the
1: future! Hello everybody and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and I thank you for joining us today for another episode, episode six, if you can believe it, of Back to the Future, the podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking with my good friend and Back to the Future lover, Matt Topolski. Matt is the co-host of Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, airing in Houston, Texas, on channel 57, The Cube. He is also the host of his own podcast, TP, The Topolsky Podcast. Um, aside from all of that, he is a personal friend of mine, and we have we have done many, many a podcast together, and so it's only apropos that he joins me on Back to the Future, the podcast. Why did I have Matt Topolsky on, you might be wondering. He's not a member of the cast. He has not written a book or filmed a movie on Back to the Future, but he did recently take a trip Um, somewhere in the hill country in Texas, to see Huey Lewis and the News perform live and in living color. Huey Lewis, of course, sang the ever-so-classic song, The Power of Love, which was prominently featured in Back to the Future Part 1. Huey Lewis himself was in Back to the Future Part 1 as the man who told Marty he was just too darn loud. He was just too darn loud. A nice cameo appearance by Huey Lewis. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on Back to the Future, the podcast, the show, the live performance of Huey Lewis, the song Power of Love, and also talk to Matt about his experience with Back to the Future, the trilogy. This is episode six of the show. We have a few episodes left, maybe uh, maybe about two or three episodes left until the season finale of Back to the Future, the podcast, the season one. We'll end with a review of Back to the Future Part 1. Um, but until then, which I, we're going to have that show, will be the season finale. We will have the show with Matt today. Cassine Gaines will be on the show next week. And then, yeah, so we have three episodes left of the show. Episodes 6, 7, and 8. And then we will be going on to Back to the Future Part 2. But now, without further ado, let me welcome to Back to the Future The Podcast... Mr. Matt Topolsky. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. I am here with a man who's been on several of my podcasts, um, and we I've done his show. We talk about this stuff all the time. Um, I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Matt Topolsky. Matt, how you doing?
0: I'm great, man. See, this is uh, how apropos is this, because we started doing this podcast and then it didn't record. So, this is like an alternate timeline that we're on right now for this podcast. <laughs> it's a paradox. Yeah, it is. It's a paradox. Um, so, we might repeat some of the things we've already said, but they'll be slightly different than they were before. But that's influenced from our previous behavior in another timeline.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, look at that. Look yeah. at that. You know, I should talk to you more about, about the physics and the science of Back to the Future. You know, I know a few things, Gilmore. I've been around the block. Um, first off, you know, you know, um, like we started this last recording on, uh, tell me a little bit about your experience with the film trilogy. Obviously, it's uh, near and dear to me and the people listening to the show, but where, where's Back to the Future coming to Matt Topolsky's life? Well,
0: it's fascinating, because like uh, I've said before, I've got a couple of years on you, so um, I was a product of the 80s, uh, and I got to live in the 80s for more than half of the decade, so... One of the first experiences that I remember directly with Back to the Future was I went and saw Back to the Future Part 3, the movie, at the old Victoria Theater, which is no more, in the town I grew up in, a little town in Pennsylvania. And um, so I had a direct experience of actually getting to see a Back to the Future movie as it premiered in the theaters. I had seen the other movies before that, um, you know, previous to to Part 3, and it's such an iconic movie franchise, uh, and re- represents so much of what the '80s are. As we talked about earlier, I'm more of a Ghostbusters fan uh, than I am a Back to the Future fan, but I love the Back to the Future franchise and series just as much. And um, it, you know, it's one of those films that shapes a generation. So that was one of my first direct experiences with the movie, but. Um, you know, it just did, gets did, better, and better.
1: What was it? Was it one of those things where, like, you saw the third one, and that was the first one you saw out of all of them? Was the third one? No, I saw the other ones previous to that. But, but I mean, I wasn't something like uh, VHS or whatever. Yeah, but I laser
0: wa- disc. No, was, no, that was no, It was VHS. It was VHS? Laser disc was around, but we we, we weren't fancy like that. <laughs> you know? I mean, we were we were we were of the maybe we, there there was a time where maybe we touched the uh, the middle class ceiling, but no, we were we were definitely watching on VHS and it was you know it was interesting because I had a DeLorean tape rewinder so you know you you, you press down it opens up and you put the VHS in there press it down again rewinds it because you have to be kind and rewind
1: be, be kind and rewind or yeah. you would get fined yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah. It, it was like a what was it, like a quarter did they charge you a quarter for... uh,
0: 99 cents for not rewinding a movie 99 cents for not rewinding a movie Hollywood video Charge you that. Oh, of course, Hollywood Hollywood Video. Video, Blockbuster, I don't think, had any charge. You know, it's fascinating. You know, the fascinating thing about Hollywood Video is this is the first time I ever remember winning a contest. It was technically my father who won the contest, but I got the shirt later. Um, 1990. My father entered a contest when *Kindergarten Cop* the movie came Honor out. Of PHF, won a free *Kindergarten Cop* T-shirt from Look Hollywood at that. Video. And you want a contest? Well, May Hollywood Video did do something, right? Yeah. So, there um, you go. so you had a DeLorean tape rewinder. I had a DeLorean tape rewinder, and that was its only purpose—to rewind tapes. Oh, that was it. Didn't play them. You plug them? No. You, you, it just sat. It sat on the floor. Uh, I, God, I can picture it sitting on the floor next to the TV stand right now, and um, you would press down on the front of it. It would pop up, you slide the tape in there, push it down. And so the, the door, it
1: was, like, it was like the door.
0: Yeah, it was the door. So basically the hood opened, mm-hmm. and the tape would slide right in there. You push it down. The moment you push it down, rewind the tape. And then when it was done, click, pop open, take the
1: tape. Now if it if it like sparked and left fire trails when it was done rewinding, that would have been the thing about it is
0: is that if that tape rewinder got up to eighty eight miles per hour, you're about to see some serious shit.
1: (laughs) Um so I mean so obviously it's something that 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 you were near and dear to. I mean having that tape rewinder seeing the movie with your father.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and, and a pivotal part not a pivotal part of the movie, but you know, um well no it, yeah a pivotal part is the music of any movie the music of of the film really drives it and it had an amazing classic classical orchestral score um by Alan Silvestri which is something we haven't talked about on the show is the score because you know Robert Zemeckis really wanted you know at the time in the 80s you got to think about you know what was like you know Beverly Hills Cop you know the dude there's a lot of synthesizers going
0: on in the '80s. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh, I love. It. Axel F is the name of that song, by the way. For anyone who wants to look that up, really, yeah, it's the name of the song. Um, but so I mean, that was big in the time. And then you had the rock scores, obviously. But but uh, Bob Zemeckis kind of went with a like uh, a hybrid, if you will. He had the classic orchestral score mm-hmm. done by Alan Silvestri, which was amazing. Um, you know, you hear it on this podcast all the time in the in beginning, and middle, and end. But they also was a classic rock score. You know, they had a rock score to the um, movie, and it was done by Huey Lewis and the News. Obviously, The Power of Love being the biggest song that came out of that. And uh, Huey Lewis being in the movie as the cameo, which we talked about uh, in the last episode of our interview. Um, when he... W- with and Marty, the alternate timeline. And the alternate time, The paradox. Yeah. And the paradox. It was when... Uh, Marty's band, the Pinheads, was auditioning for the school, and 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 Huey Lewis got up and had a megaphone like Jimmy, the Mouth of the South Heart, and uh, and said, uh, I'm afraid you're too darn loud." And you know that that was his role in the movie. But the song "Power Love" was huge. I think it was on Billboard, like number it was probably number one. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Yeah. Um, and you actually went recently to a little town in Texas. I did. Um, you took a trip, and you saw Huey Lewis and the News live in concert, right? I did. I went to... Uh, I'm not exactly sure
0: how the name of the town should be pronounced. I pronounced Halotes, Texas, uh, which is uh, northwest of San Antonio. Uh, it was a great show, man. I mean, it's interesting, too, because if I'm not mistaken, I think the Power of Love... It wasn't the Power of Love music video. It was one of Huey Lewis's music videos it actually happens at, like, a roadhouse. Oh, really? Okay, and he so... He seems like a roadhouse singer. Right, and this is exactly what this place was. Now, they have um, a pavilion outside. they definitely extended onto it, but the place that he performed at, um, uh, I believe the place is called John T. Floor's Country Store, and it is a, it's a historic venue for music. Um, Willie Nelson has played there several times. Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash... Um, Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the other names. I mean, the who's who of rock and roll and country western from about the late 1940s through the mid-1970s have at one time or another performed at this place. So, it's such a historic venue and um, a lot of times, you'll go to a concert, you hear a band and they pale in comparison live to what a studio album is that they produce, but with the case of Huey Lewis, and still, after 37 years of yeah. being in the music industry, he still sounds as good today as he did when they recorded that song for the first time. So,
1: no, so I the main Huey Lewis song I know is Power of Love, obviously. Yeah. And um, you're actually going to uh, send me uh, some audio from the show, I'm going to get to play a clip of the song on the show, yeah. but um. The Power of Love, when he played that song, how the crowd reacted. Because I think that's a song that everyone recognizes, even if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. But I think people who were fans of the movie, which I'm sure was a large majority of the crowd, too. Yeah. Because, I mean... Well, there were some Back to the Future t-shirts there. There were? In the crowd, yeah. um, But
0: it was the song that they played in the beginning of their encore, uh, before they let out. And... um, I mean it was a song people were, you know, shouting for the, the whole night. night. Freebird. Right. The thing about the thing about Huey Lewis too is he's self-deprecating enough to know what it is that is they're there for. You know, it's yeah. not one of those things where he's going to come out and play an hour of new music and actually joked uh between sets about that. So they may have played like three or four new songs, which still their new songs still sound like old songs, which like is the, from the 80s. fine with me yeah. because that's what we're there for. Um but uh, most of what they played over what was almost two hours of a performance, which was great, um, was their, their greatest hits, you know? So, I mean, you're not just getting power of love. There's Heart and Soul uh, was in there. Uh, the Heart of Rock and Roll. Yeah. Such a great song. Such a great song. One of my favorite songs, actually. So, so
1: how, how did does, how, how does the live concert rank... For, for you know other shows that you've seen live, how was Huey Lewis? Because you said he had like a like a nine piece. band? Yeah, it was a
0: nine piece band. Um, so he had like the, what the, drums?
1: The, horn? Do you have a horn section?
0: Yes, he had uh, at one point there were four brass up there. So, okay, wow. Um, so no, I mean in terms of I mean I and I've and the thing is it's like I'm not a big concert guy like mm-hmm. I don't go to festivals and I'm not all that but I have been to a lot of concerts consequently probably because I'm such a huge Dave Matthews fan so <laughs> I've gone to, gosh at least. 15 dave matthews concerts oh wow so of all the concerts i've been to though this was definitely one of the best uh just simply because of the venue that it was at because huey lewis and the news sounded as good as they would on a studio album um and they they weren't just mailing it in either i think that's the thing that's i think to me playing if i'm in his shoes and i'm playing my greatest hits and i'm doing this every night or every other night for the last 20 years or more. At some point, I'm probably going to get sick of it, and I'm either going to stop doing it or I'm going to be mailing it in. He didn't mail it in on the performance. Might have been because of the way the crowd reacted. Could have been the venue, or could just be that they love... Making good music. Music yeah. that makes and you feel good. I love
1: performing good. music for people, yeah. You know? And so
0: I sort of equated the experience to, like, having intercourse with the 1980s. I mean, it's basically <laughs> what it was. And uh, and it was great. I all, right, right, all right,
1: real quick, real quick. Yeah. This, this is going way down off topic. Yeah. 1980s, if you had to have intercourse with one of the women from 1980s, what actress are you going for?
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Here, uh, I know some kids listen to this show, so kids, cover your ears. Yeah. I'll have to put an explicit label on this one. Who you like? Who you like from the
0: 1980s? Man, I need a multiple choice, man, to be honest <laughs> with you. Because. Honestly, I mean, the first thing that I think of, uh, probably early 1980s Farrah Fawcett.
1: Yeah, I would say like that's like the quintessential 1980s woman Yeah, is Farrah Fawcett. Some might say Claudia Wells, who was on this very show, yeah. um, was, a, was, a, was a... She was hot. She was a very, very attractive woman. No, she was hot. Yeah, she was hot. She was. <laughs> she was smoking. Yeah, she, she really
0: was. She was smoking. I, um, I don't know why they replaced her.
1: Well, if you listened to the show, Matt, uh, yeah. you would find out she actually what actually happened was her mother was diagnosed with cancer, oh, okay. so she decided to quit acting altogether. Okay. So she actually well, left the project. Okay. Well, now, uh,
0: man, I feel like an asshole now. <laughs> no, you it's know. all good. Uh, but no, I mean, no,
1: she was great. She was, she was hot. But yeah, I would say probably Farrah Fawcett. Farrah um, Fawcett. Let me, let me, now, we're going to, so Huey Lewis, you give you give a recommend to him, anyone who wants to go check out Hell Huey Hell yeah, Lewis. I mean, he's
0: going to be performing in Portland in August. Uh, I Portland, mean, I Oregon.
1: Guess, yeah, Portland,
0: Oregon, I guess, to give him a free plug, but I'm going to try and fly, fly, I mean, I love Portland, so I'm going to try and fly back up there and, and go see him again. I mean, he's great.
1: Yeah, so yeah. so 10 out of 10 is your experience with Huey Lewis in the news. Um, real quick, I want to touch a little bit more on Back to the Future before we put a bow on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie, so who's your favorite character, first off, out of out of the out of the trilogy? Doesn't even have to be a lead character. Who's your favorite character? Who you like the most from the Back to the Future series? You hmm. gotta have someone that sticks out, someone that you know is like, oh man, what a great for me, I'll tell you my, mine's Dr. Brown, Document L. Brown. I mean, just Christopher Lloyd, the way he portrayed that character,
0: eighty-eight miles per
1: hour yeah. one point twenty one gigawatts. Well, I would probably... Agree, it's a terrible I, 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 of, Christopher Lloyd of, person. Of,
0: of, because Doc Brown's probably my favorite character of the, the trilogy as well. But really, again, I would say Doc Brown of part three, because I feel like that's where he's most in his element. First of all, he gets the girl. Gets the girl. Second of all, he loves the Old West. Loves it. Okay. He's a blacksmith. He's a blacksmith. Third of all, for a man that is so inclined to create and develop he's literally on the frontier and he's still creating and developing with little to nothing around him.
1: Remember, okay, like, my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes from that movie, and this, you know, we're going to get to part three, the review in season three of the show. Yes. Um, But what I love about that movie was there's the scene where there's just this huge contraption that he has in his shop, and you just see things going off, belts turning, smoke coming out, and you see, like, you know, they're having this dialogue between each other, and he was like, how could I fall in love with a woman on first sight? It's impossible, you know? And then Marty's kind of explaining it to him, and then you try to figure out, like, it's not in the, like, I mean, you're listening to the dialogue, but in the back of your mind, you're trying to figure out what this contraption is that you're seeing. Yeah. And then finally, you just, like, he holds a little bowl out, and a, one ice cube comes out of this big machine, and he puts it in his tea, he goes, like, ice tea? Yeah. And Marty goes, it's a refrigerator. Like, I mean, that's just, I just love that scene so my, much. My
0: favorite scene of Doc Brown in part three is when Marty is being strung up, And he's about to be hanged in the town square, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the rope gets shot, and there's Doc Brown with a gun and a scope, which he's basically built himself, just looking like a total badass. And it just, to me, is the full encompassing of who he is as a character, which is, he's not just a scientist, he's an adventurer, he's a frontiersman, he's a lover... Yeah. You know, he's all those things. It was
1: a different Doc Brown than what we saw in the nineteen eighty five Doc Brown, the nineteen fifty five Doc Brown. Um, and then if you had a time machine, Matt Topolsky, and you could go anywhere
0: good question.
1: And you could go anywhere. Where would Matt Topolsky like to travel eighty eight miles per hour into the future or the past? Where do you want to go? Man. Um I would probably
0: Man, that is such a You know, a
1: good I'd course. go back in time and eat that ham sandwich again you would, That's you great. would That's a
0: great uh, I would probably uh, head to December 25th uh, quadruple zero just to see what all the buzz was about
1: well you you and uh, uh, Miss uh, Claudia Wells have the same exact answer really that, that was her exact answer wow uh, she would like to go back and. Uh, well, the of a, Christ what is she up to now
0: uh, she's, she's making movies Yes, yeah, is she yes she is she's making movies We'll have to get her and I on the podcast together.
1: Yeah, well, maybe I can set that up between the yeah, two of you. Well, yeah. Matt, thank you for uh, joining me on Back to the Future, the podcast. You're welcome, man. Uh, I'll send you over that audio as
0: well. What a great concert.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. The, Huey Lewis in the News. If Matt Topolski recommends it. That means I do too. If he's coming to a town near you, check out Huey Lewis and see if he can't autograph you some kind of Back to the Future memorabilia. Send it to me, at Brad Gilmore on Twitter, at Matt Topolski on Twitter. Until next time, I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. Brad Gilmore Show on Demand is meant for entertainment purposes only and does not mean to infringe on any copyrights of Back to the Future, its characters, its audio clips, or its music. Hope to see you again in the future. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Save
0: big money at Menard.